Hey guys, just a quick message before we start this episode. I wanted to address some of the questions that we've been receiving from people trying to join our Patreon page, but they were unable to. For the time being, we have temporarily suspended the Patreon page. We've gotten way too behind with the Patreon podcasts and more importantly, the Patreon review requests. So that's something that we want to focus on now, getting those out so that one day in the future we can reinstate the Patreon page and maybe continue making content that we can release through that avenue. But to all all of our patrons who have pledged, you guys still have access to all the Patreon content that hasn't gone away. And for anybody that still needs their rewards, depending on what tier they've pledged to, you can always reach out to us through email or on Twitter and Instagram. So for all the people who have asked and who have wanted to pledge, we thank you for your support. But as we said, temporarily, we're taking a break from the Patreon so that we can make do all of those Patreon review requests. That is something we are going to be focusing on over the next few months. We're planning to do a Vikings Season 1 group review, Aaron, myself, and Teddy, hopefully. And that's going to be the jump-off point. So if you guys want to join us for our Patreon reviews, Patreon podcast uh, requests, then watch Vikings Season 1, because that's where we are going to begin. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and uh, like, share, subscribe. I- I'm sure I'll just say that on the normal episode as well. All right, I- I'll see you guys later. All right, so I was giving you 30 seconds there to uh, to start the recording, but... I uh, gave you a long window, because I'm the, I'm always the one starting it. Yeah, but you didn't tell me to start it. Well, we did. Uh, you didn't see the countdown? They do the countdown? Yeah, and I was waiting for you to take over. Oh, okay. I'm not trying to do something new. Well, cold openings, you know, usually somebody's got something to say. We riff, we go back and forth. Well, sometimes you're anti-cold open. I don't know. I never know what you I'm getting. And it's up to me, which I think I do a very good job of, is to pick up on what you're coming with. And then adapting. Sometimes you're straight to the point. Sometimes you want a cold open. Sometimes you want to start. I can't keep up sometimes, but I just go off of what you do. <laughs> I'm trying to think if you're too, if you're coming in too loud, you might want to turn your gain down ever so slightly. Not so much so that you're quiet, you know? We want the people to be able to hear you. How's that? I feel like that's all right. Okay. You know, safe distance from the mic. I'm up on this thing right now. Now I feel like you could raise it a little bit. Yeah. Could do you right. It could do you right to raise. That shit was in my fucking throat before. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Nerd Soup. I am Bo Oliver, joined here today with Aaron, the Nerd Soup Monkey, and we are here to talk about the world of Hollywood specifically. We got some Oscar nominations. Look at that. They dropped this morning. I had no idea. Shout out to the Associated Press for sending me that notification. And we'll also be continuing from our previous podcast, our previous episode, talking about the best movies of 2023. We got a bunch of questions that we didn't have a chance to answer because we ran a little long, but we're going to answer some of those questions there. Uh, A lot of good questions about the movies, the performances, some TV questions, and some just pop culture related questions in general. So it should be a, a fun episode. And of course, like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Follow us on the social medias at NerdSoup, at BoSoup, at NerdSoupMonkey, and no one else really to plug there. I mean, follow Teddy at this point. He doesn't really do much anymore. If you want to see his happy life, beloved family. Fucking prick. Yeah, I was at his house for the football games. Nice home he has. He made a nice home for himself. Oh, right, yeah. He moved into a new home, right? Yeah. Congrats to Teddy. And congrats to uh, the, the football winners. 
Josh Allen, man, one one of these years you'll break through, maybe. I brought over like charcuterie, just you know, to snack on during the game. His wife comes home. She's like, "Oh, it's so nice, like the nice board and everything." He's like, "Yeah," I pick- he said, "Yeah, I picked it up before everyone came." Yeah, that's that's par for the course for Teddy. <laughs> Such a fucking scumbag. At that point, you give him the assist, right? Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, no, I let him have that one. Yeah, as long as you don't piss the wife off, you're in good standing. I feel like when you're the husband's friends. So I mean, I've known them for 15 years now, so I don't think I can really do anything. You know, at this point, it's just oh, that's expected. You think you have that immunity? I think so. You could do anything? I'm not a bad guy. I'm not going to do anything bad. But like, if I spill and break a glass, I'm not going to be like, if it was just someone I just met, I'm just be like, oh, you know, mistakes happen. I don't think there's anything out of like, it's already set in stone. I am who I am. And they know that. So I don't think there's at this point anything I could do to surprise them with my actions. Was Nash there? Yeah, he was. Oh, that must have been nice for him to get some cheese since he he's on his ice diet. He, he, I don't think he ate. He's weird. Sometimes he just doesn't eat, but he'll drink like a, f- he'll drink everything in sight. <laughs> what, were you going to say drink like a fucking pig? <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. I feel like but, I heard the F and the P coming. But he comes off like he's trying to eat healthy, but then he'll down like eight twisted teas. Yeah, no, that's an issue. Yeah. Can't imagine the twisted teas are that healthy. I don't think they are. That's a, an alcoholic drink, right? That's why they're twisted. Yeah, yeah. And they're iced tea flavored. So that's the tea. Ah, yeah. So you guys were all together when you ignored my Baker Mayfield fan cam. That's crazy. <laughs> I got too many group chats, man. I ignore them all, so don't feel anything. I mean, I don't take, take it, it personally. I take it very personally. Uh, so do you want to bring up uh the Oscar noms? Because I can't. Every every website I go up to, they just don't let me see anything. <laughs> they uh, do the ad block instructions and uh, I oh, refresh and. Like a slideshow? Oh, yeah, God. No, I mean, you can't read anything on any website these days. Yeah, it is fucking insane. Or like the ones you go to, it's like, oh, you got three three visits left before you have to pay. It's like, ah, I just want yeah, right. to see the news. They're like, submit your social security if you want to read the rest of this sentence. Well, I guess people got to get those clicks. No, I've, I've actually got them up. Oppenheimer was the big winner. I think it took home 13 nominations. And uh, the second biggest winner was Poor Things, I guess, winners for the nominations. They got 11. And uh, I think Barbie came in at number three with eight. There was a lot of talk there with Greta Gerwig not being nominated for Best Director and Margot Robbie not being nominated for Best Actress. But America Ferrara was nominated for Best Supporting, as was Ryan Gosling for Best Supporting Actor. That was wild. America Ferrara should not have an Oscar nomination. It's funny. It's a funny nomination. It is. I don't think she, like, she was fine in the role, but nothing in that performance made me leave and be like, oh, that's, she's, she's in a, the race for Oscar nominations. Yeah, that monologue pissed you off. I remember you were fuming <laughs> in your seat. I was like, calm down. No, I, calm I think you're the one who ran it. I think. It's just a joke about the Snyder Cut. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> not that the monologue was fine, but like nothing really popped off with that performance. I think. You wanted with, her for dumb money. Honestly, probably better than that. But I think. When it comes to Best Actress, I think that was a... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, with Supporting Actress, I think... I could probably name a few that should have gotten it over that one. I guess leading up to it, I don't know if there was any momentum, but when it's some award shows that have like comedy as a subcategory, then yeah, maybe you can make an argument for that. But overall, Supporting Actress, I think that was one of the bigger surprises. And then Margot Robbie... I think, is Nia a real movie or... 
is that just one of those that like just show up every year around award season that gets nominations and nobody's seen it? So uh, according to the internet, it is a real movie. Yeah, because that would have been weird if they just nominated a fake movie. So I was like 50-50 on if it was real or not. Maestro was nominated, so they did uh, nominate a fake movie. But That's true. This one was only nominated for an acting category, not Best Picture. Yeah, so putting it up against Margot Robbie against those ones, uh, like again, Annette Benning, maybe she was great. And then maybe over Car- Carrie Muggle. M- Oof, that was tough. Take like a mulligan on that one, right? That's funny. <sighs> uh, Carrie it. Mulligan. But, I mean, Lily Gladstone, Sandra Hewler, and Emma Stone, I think, were three very, very solid choices. Yeah, and I think some people were also surprised with Sterling K. Brown, American Fiction. Yeah, that's our boy, so I was happy to see that. Yeah, yeah, I was happy to see that too. And uh, I was upset with Greta Gerwig. I mean, who, who I was are you taking ups- out? Any of them at this point. I think Gerwig just deserved Nolan? it for the year. Yeah, fuck you. No, he deserved it too. No, those were my two big ones. I think those were the two champions of, of movies last year, regardless yeah. of whether or not like I said on the last podcast, it's a show, it's political, it's propaganda. I don't know how you don't have the two biggest stars. I mean, she'll be there. She was nominated for Best Adapted, but come on. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like when you look at these, like if it was um, a lesser year, maybe, but it's hard for me to argue against Glazer, Lathamos, Nolan, Scorsese, and Trite. I mean, it's not like fucking Bradley Cooper was nominated. If he was, then yeah, that would be a little bit more up in arms, but. But yeah, I think that's a bit of, not an upset, but I think she was just right there for most of the year and then a lot of predictions. So at least she did get this, uh, the writing nom. And so. Carrie Mulligan for Maestro. Dude, that's that's what I just said. <laughs> I mean, just in, in terms of marketing your show, you want Margot Robbie in the, right. you know, the split screen. And there's just so many better performances, I think. Oh my God, I mean, Turkey just allowed uh, Sweden to join NATO. We'll talk about that a little later. They do these things where they, like I said, like they put these like Nyad movies no one's seen, but like, then why not, you know, you couldn't do like Tiana Taylor instead of fucking Carrie Mulligan. It's like no one, no one saw that movie either, but it's like they only, it's like they only choose one movie. Oh, well, Annette Benning's crewed up. That's the thing. When you're crewed up, you're friends with producers, you've got decades in the game. It's all propaganda. She ran the better campaign, run a better campaign, Tiana Taylor. <laughs> and Rosalind kidding. Pike over America Ferreira, I think, would have been a better choice there. But that's the thing with the Oscars. Like, I think for the most part, it's pretty good, but there's always like those two or three glaring choices that kind of cloud everything else. Because I think everything besides Maestro, which is another one, like, that's another thing. Every year, there's a movie that is universally, critics and audiences are like, this is not that great, but it just still gets nominated somehow. Yeah, I mean, it had a lot going for it. Bradley Cooper did a hell of a job campaigning for it. It's produced by Steven Spielberg. It's about Leonard Bernstein, who is uh, just an icon, especially in that industry. That's the game we're playing. I was surprised Killers of the Flower Moon got as many nominations as it did. No Leo, though. Yeah, no Leo. Once again, a stat category. And what's his name? Uh, Melton from uh, May, December. (laughs) Better luck next time, buddy. Hopefully you get another once-in-a-lifetime role. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that movie just, uh, people don't want to, they want to think that was a fake movie. Because <laughs> uh, that wasn't nominated for anything. No. And neither was Saltburn. Which yeah. I think was expected. 
I think Rosman Pike was the only chance that movie had. Keep forgetting like who's in that movie. The really hot tall guy and the really weird short guy. And then Richard E. Grant. <laughs> he sucked on Saturday Night Live, huh? You see those clips? No, I didn't see it. No. What um That's tough. Yeah. I think I think he'll be fine. Another thing I always hate is the we talk about an international feature getting one movie put into Best Picture, so that just ruins that category. No anticipation, no fun with that. It's gonna go to zone of interest. Which it's deserving, but it would have been fun to at least have two movies make it, but we had to put Maestro in. An animated feature getting shut out from Best Picture again. Maestro's just not hooking for you, huh? The the pronunciation? It's just an accent. It's like, <laughs> that's how I talk. I'm not saying it on purpose, that's just how it comes out in New York. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> An animated feature, pretty decent category, but I mean, Boy and a, Hira, Boy and a Heron and either even Spider-Man, I think, could make a play for one of those spots. Yeah, that should be a nice little two-man race. It's definitely going to go to Miyazaki. I hear just... Robot Dreams is fantastic. I've heard great things about it, but it's not out yet, so. That's another thing, Zone of Interest, just not being available for anybody to see. No, yeah, nobody's been able to watch it unless you live in New York, LA. And it seems like score, did they just pick movies? Yeah, that American Fiction score was bumping, now that I think of it. The only ones that really stick out are Oppenheimer and Poor Things. I'm not good with scores to begin with. It has to be really apparent for me for it to stick in my head. Otherwise, I'm, I just forget. Like, uh, yeah, I guess the music was okay in Killers of the Flower Moon. Actually, no, that one did kind of stick out to me. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, Indiana Jones is John Williams. He just gets nominated if he does a movie. But yeah, I thought Boy in the Heron was going to find its way in there because Asashi has been so prolific throughout his career doing all those Ghibli movies. So, And I th- uh, many people are saying it's his best score. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it's... Like I said, I think for the most part, it's pretty, pretty good, but always going to be those two or three that people just are going to latch on to me as well. I think I'm rooting for a Paul Giamatti win just to see it happen. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Hey, I mean, as of right now, he might be the favorite. And it's funny that the fucking Academy Awards, if they like, if a random person on Twitter put like these as their top 10 movies of the year, they would get fucking shit on. <laughs> it's um and a lot of them like are close to my top 10 so like i i think besides the bottom three for me is american fiction maestro there you go <laughs> and barbie i think the other seven are really good but it's just funny how like like you like like your top 10 compared to this where you might have like just completely different movies from all over the place all over the map and kind of that's what I think the Oscars are supposed to represent, but it just never really works out that way. Yeah, I, I guess they haven't seen the Roundup trilogy with Don Lee. No, I think they might have missed that one. Probably missed that one because I thought that could have ran the board, but I was also surprised that uh, Menu Plaisir wasn't nominated for Best Documentary. But I think when it comes to recent years, not a bad crew. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So no, I don't, I don't hate it. What's no, no wick for cinematography. Yeah, a lot of people saw that coming. It's unfortunate. But Godzilla Minus One got one. So Fuck John Wick, I guess. I'll take it. What, uh, what was I looking for? I was looking for one of these. I don't see documentary. Where is documentary? Now, we're probably on different websites, so you probably couldn't tell me. No. Uh, 20 Days in Maripool, Bobby Wine, The People's President, The Internal Memory, Four Daughters, To Kill a Tiger. 
I didn't get to see any of those. No, I haven't seen any. I've been getting better at that. Usually I see like one or two. I'm at a zero. My favorite thing to do is to, uh, on my Oscar pool, guessing the best animated short film based on title alone. Oh, yeah. That's always fun during the Oscar pool. This year, I'm going to go with, oh, it's got to be War is Over, right? That's a lock. I'm kind of interested to see that because I like that song. Oh, best live action short, Henry Sugar. The one that like maybe people have watched this year probably will win. Actually, they'll probably lose. Night of Fortune sounds incredible. That's going to win. They really banished Wes Anderson to the live action short films. Maybe he'll win that. He's won a couple of Oscars for writing. Who's hosting? Jimmy Kimmel again? Is he? I think so. Well, I think looking at everything, Oppenheimer has a chance to have like a pretty, pretty sweet night. I think it's just going to be one of those years where that's going to win mostly everything. Emily Blunt's not going to win for supporting, but everything else, I think it's probably ha- it's got to be the favorite. Adapted screenplay, maybe poor things, but I think other than that, it's pretty pretty much... It feels I like Oppenheimer's be, year, without a doubt. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets seven or eight wins. Yeah, I could see it having that type of night. I'm just always uh, astounded by who they nominate for... It always feels like Best Supporting Actress always has these just random performances because they were in really popular and well-received movies, and they just don't want to nominate somebody that's in something that was less popular, but just had more to do. Because Emily Blunt was good. Yeah. But, like I said, it's it's all well, I mean, pageantry anyway. Jodie Foster, Nyad, it's probably one of the best performances I've seen this decade. What's Nyad again? Oh, that's the Annette yeah. Bening movie. Oh, Jodie Foster's in that too. Holy shit. It's probably a banger, actually. I have to check that out. It says here it's about a woman who is swimming the Straits of Florida. Just for fun? Uh, yeah, I guess... Um, it's like sw- swimming the English Channel type thing? Right. Mm. She was trying to um, swim from Cuba to Florida without a shark cage. Yeah, it's kind of a weak year. I mean, for like Divine Joy Randolph, who's the favorite to win... A good performance, but not like if you compare it to the category in years past. I don't know if it really holds up to that. And I think supporting is pretty much locked up for Downey Jr. at this point. Oh, yeah. No, he not knocking out Charles Melton. You know yeah. he was pulling strings. And De Niro maybe could Get pull. Get this fucking Riverdale nerd out of here. Taking my career award. Yeah, I was happy to see Bobby D. We got two Bobby D's fighting it out. Not true, yeah. All right, well, that's the Oscar knobs. Oh, you have anything to add, Aaron, before we move on to uh, the old fan question? No, I was just wondering if anyone called Robert. You know how like, people close, you know someone's close to De Niro if they call him Bob? Does Downey have that? He feels more like a Robert. Bob feels weird. Yeah. It's like when people call him Marty, it's like, oh, they must be cool. Right. No, being able to call Robert De Niro Bob, that's special. Yeah. But I think some people call him Marty that shouldn't be calling him Marty. I feel like the real-life Jordan Belfort probably calls him Marty, and he shouldn't be able to. Right, yeah, yeah. He thinks that they're on that type of footing. Yeah, like, oh, let me call let me call Marty. Just don't call Marty. Jordan Belfort. He's got him saved in his phone as Marty. So you don't get that. Salt Bay definitely calls him Marty if they ever ran into him. I don't even think Leo can call him Marty. He probably has, but... It's like Jesse and Walter White. Out of respect, yeah, he still calls him Mr. Scorsese. Yeah. And every now and then, Scorsese tries to kill Leo. It's very similar. Very similar relationship. All right, guys, before we move on to fan questions, we're going to take a quick break to shout out our sponsor for today's episode, and that would be HelloFresh. 
And right now you can go to HelloFresh.com slash NerdSoupFree and use code NerdSoupFree to get free breakfast for life. That's right, you heard me correctly. One free breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash NerdSoupFree with code NerdSoupFree. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or have less stress, HelloFresh is here to help with all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like, delivered right to your door. With more options than ever before, HelloFresh makes sure that recipe boredom never strikes. You can dig into their biggest menu yet with over 45 dinner options to choose from, and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. It's the time of year when everybody resolves to be a bit healthier, a bit more conscious about what they're eating. Not me, but everybody else. So, if you're looking to revamp your eating habits, look to HelloFresh's wholesome, health-forward options like over 30-calorie smart and protein-smart recipes each week. And remember, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash NerdSoupFree and use code NerdSoupFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash NerdSoupFree with code NerdSoupFree. All right, let's move on to some fan questions. We got some Well, good speaking ones. of... Yeah, Breaking Bad, um, Better Call Saul, zero Emmy wins, 0 for 52. Joins an elite like club of, yeah. of shows. Because it was bad? or Well, yeah, no. <laughs> the Wire was also bad. Other, what are some other bad shows that have never won Emmys? Always Sunny. Always Sunny, horrible show. I know you guys like that one. Star Trek didn't really influence a whole generation of sci-fi writers. Oh, and do you also do you know what today is? No. It's birthday day. Do you remember when last year when you were supposed to give a birthday shout out to TJ, but you forgot? Is today that day? <laughs> January 23rd? 20, 24th. Oh, oh okay. The 23rd. Oh, but someone tweeted me today the 24th. So tomorrow, I guess, when this comes out. Dude, happy birthday, TJ. You know what? <laughs> I remember it because his girlfriend asked us to shout yeah. him out. And not only did I disappoint her, but also TJ. So. Yeah, but then we declared the twenty fourth birthday day. So every happy birthday to everybody. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. If you're listening and if you've had a birthday, which I'm sure you've yeah. had, it's uh, either a belated birthday or uh, early birthday. But figure we just get them all out of the way now, and it's TJ Day. So happy TJ Day! Happy TJ Day! Look at that. TJ gets at the end of the day. It's his day. It's like how they do President's Day, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right, now that we've gotten the birthdays out of the way, let's ask some questions. That's for the fan to decide. Yay! People, you call up to the show, you better be ready. That's what you're supposed to do. Sitting there arguing and trying to spell your name and all of this other stuff. It's not your show, it's my show. I'm giving you the, the opportunity to speak your mind. Don't call up here unless you got something to say. This question here from Jai, biggest missed opportunity of the year, like a film that could have been super awesome, but they just messed it up. Hmm. A film that could have been super awesome, but they fu- Well, I-, I think even Maestro could have been a movie that explored more of what inspired the music, his craft, his process. It feels like it just got too focused on the relationship in a way that wasn't so interesting. They kind of just kept, it just became repetitive. 
And it starts out as this really, you know, it's got this interesting perspective on, on his life as a composer, also a conductor, the struggle between what is, you know, what is he going to do? Is he going to write music or is he going to conduct it? And then they just kind of fell into the cliche biopic traps without saying anything that's that interesting about what it was like to be Bernstein. So I would say that, you know, I gave it three stars, so I don't think it was, or two and a half, I didn't think it was that bad. But I think in terms of missed opportunity, that's a big one for me. And then also uh, Sisu, the um, the Finnish John Wick, when he was just running around massacring Nazis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great trailer, but I don't think it lived up to the legend that they were trying to create, and it ended up not awesome being trailer. that memorable. Yeah. I think Napoleon had a ton of potential. Not just like his story as a whole, but like with Ridley Scott's Napoleon. I think there's a lot of a lot there that I think if you kind of just focused on one aspect of it, I think it could have been a lot better. I still liked it. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I think there was there was more that could have been done with that movie and that story. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm so excited for the extended cut that's hitting Apple. I think in March at some point this year. Uh, apparently, it's going to focus more on Josephine more scenes with her that were cut from the theatrical version. So maybe that movie will sit better for some people, but I did like Napoleon. I think that, yeah, it definitely could have been better, but I had so much fun with it. Obviously it wasn't in my top 20, but um, I still found it to be very entertaining. I think Strange Way of Life too, the uh, the short film from Alma Devar with uh, Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal, it felt like something that had so much potential for a feature. But obviously it was a short and it was condensed and it feels like it ends as soon as it begins without really getting into the meat of the relationship between these two men. Uh, I know it was supposed to be an answer to Brokeback Mountain because Pedro Pascal's character in the movie has a, an injured back. So that was a fun little joke. Mm. Also, um, yeah, nothing in terms of missed opportunities, nothing's really coming to mind other than the Ant-Man. ones I've mentioned. Wow, that did come out this year, huh? Yeah. I think there was a missed opportunity in the air to clarify that Jordan was not the best player of all time. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. That was strange. No. Right, and there's also a missed opportunity just to make it about LeBron. Sure. Uh, yeah. I was thinking more Jokic. <laughs> That's your new goat? That's my new goat. Although it could be Embiid after last night. Yeah, 70 points is wild. He is a guy who, like, if anyone's going to get to 100, it's him. Right. If he just bullies someone down low all game, when you get to the line like 23 times. Yeah. That's the thing. He shoots almost 90% from the free throw line. It's crazy how the Knicks can't get anyone like that. Uh, this question here from KGP101. When watching biopics, how seriously do you take historical accuracy? Well, I think everything's real until I'm told otherwise. Yeah, I don't know if historical accuracy is the thing that really makes or breaks a biopic, because there have been great biopics that are not very historically accurate. I mean, if it's something that's so egregious, yeah, it will bother me. But like even a few weeks ago, I rewatched Alexander the Great, Oliver Stone's The Extended Cut. It's like four hours long. And there were certain things that they conflate, certain moments that didn't really happen that way that just make for a better movie, makes for a better story. So I think right. sometimes. It's tough because I always say a biopic should be a movie first, a biopic second. 
you know, Rocket Man, I think is a good example. I don't love that movie, but I appreciate that it was more of a musical than it was a story about Elton John. It was more about the spectacle of how you can tell a story through music and it also happens to be about an icon. I prefer that. Yeah, it depends what it is and why it's done. Um, like for Iron Claw, omitting one of the brothers, when you hear why it was done and it kind of makes sense. And I think something like that's more forgivable than, I don't know, what some of the shit they did with Blonde or. Even Bohemian Rhapsody, but, and I guess for me personally, like how far removed are we from it? Like Gladiator, like I don't care. The Patriot, I don't really care. Right, yeah, even in Napoleon where people were complaining, well, that battle didn't take place in front of the pyramids. Well, if if you're going to send Napoleon to liberate Egypt, you want to put him in front of the pyramids when he's battling. <laughs> you're in Egypt. Yeah. It's like in Soderbergh in uh, Ocean's 12, he's in the uh, director's commentary talking about how the Eiffel Tower was just outside of the frame but I refuse to show it. Do you want a medal? Do you want a cookie? You're in France. Show the goddamn Eiffel Tower. How am I supposed to know you're in France? And that's like historical. I think it's big picture. If you're focusing on a a singular person and you make a change that completely changes how that person can be perceived or who they are, then I think that's more cause for criticism. Right. I think the Chicago 7 was a perfect example of a movie that totally did not understand the politics of the characters it was dealing with because there are certain things that were said by those characters that they would never say and i know that pissed a, a lot of people off maybe it accurately handled the, the trial the way things went down the results right. but in terms of the actual politics it's uh, aaron sorkin who's so west wing brained that he can't imagine anything other than left and right democrat republican and there wasn't as much nuance as you would expect from the historical figures he was tackling. And I think that's something where I've got more problems with Chicago 7 than that. I just find it to be kind of boring. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's something that could bother, bother me, bother other people. Yeah, and I guess it's how close you are to the, like Moneyball, for instance. Right. Like, I, I think that you're like, yeah, I, they omitted a lot of things, but it was still very enjoyable. But like, if you were a stouch baseball historian and stuff like that, maybe that could bother you in some ways. Or if you're close to a particular subject, like if you were a Napoleon scholar, right? And I'm sure you could pick that movie. Like, and you're going through the movie with a fine tooth comb, you could definitely find your problem with it. But well, I, I saw people criticizing the movie Rustin for being too accessible almost and not really getting into the messiness of the civil rights movement and i think a lot of movies have done that when they tackle that era they they're too afraid of they'll hint at the darkness and they'll show it at times but they really want to stray away from it because they want it to be accessible they want it to be inspiring they want it to be a family story produced by famous people it's out on netflix you can learn more about a civil rights icon who has been kept in the shadows because of his sexuality and because of some of his political beliefs. But I think a movie like that, the best way to do it is you don't shy away from the messiness. You don't shy away from the nastiness. And you don't shy away from the personal flaws of these people as well. Because you could be somebody who's standing for something right, and that you can have your own problems in your life. And I think that humanizes them. I think that was missing with Bernstein. You know, it's just, uh, he's an icon, so you want to celebrate him. But that doesn't always make for the best movie. Sometimes yeah. just the reality of the situation, it could, it's tough to put a flashlight on reality, but it feels like that's what a lot of these movies sometimes are missing. And I haven't seen Rustin, 
I was excited for it when it was announced because, as I said, Bayard Rustin feels like he never got his just due when it comes to the history books. So there's a lot of ways to talk about the legacy of somebody like Bayard Rustin. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, I, I think that's well put. This question here from Jace Phillips, best sports movie of the year. Well, I guess it's got to be between Air and the Iron Claw. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be the Iron Claw for me. <laughs> yeah, it would be the Iron Claw for me as well. Was there? Oh, what about Boys in the Boat? <laughs> One of my friends uh, recently came up to me. We were out, and uh, she's like, you see Boy in the Boat? Saw it recently. Pretty good. And I was like, really? Because <laughs> she doesn't seem like somebody who likes that type of movie. I was like, you liked Boy in the Boat? Okay, maybe I'll try it out. What's well, an old movie, right? I mean, such a an old movie. Joel Edgerton's just got the perfect face for those kind of movies. I think I've seen it, because the trailer gives you the whole movie. So, But it's yeah. not. It's not up there for me. Not a lot of sports movies anymore. No, and the two we got this year were, were good. Air and uh, Iron Claw. One's a shoe movie, really. Well, I think it's very much... I, I said this um, on the Patreon when we were talking about it, that uh, it's a really a love letter to basketball, because so much of it is basketball can't sell. People don't buy sneakers. They just don't care. The NBA Finals are on tape delay. This is a sport that's never going to challenge football or baseball or even boxing whatever it is and it was this one nerdy fat guy's belief that's the thing they should have got sandler instead of matt damon because uh sonny was he's like your typical middle-aged new yorker just a guy who loves hoops one of my that's what adam sandler is yeah i love middle-aged white guys who love hoops they always got great vibes matt damon had two of the most movie movie roles this year yeah was that and what else Oppenheimer. Oh, right, right. Just playing himself in like in both yeah. roles. And that's another thing. Leslie Groves should have been John Goodman. John Goodman would have been so much better in that role. Because when you uh Leslie Groves was apparently he was like a big dude, overweight, unfriendly, but got shit done. That's mm. John Goodman. I hate when I have a perfect casting in my head and I know <laughs> I'll never see it. That's why we need the AI <laughs> machine so I can see yeah. the John Goodman in Oppenheimer. Uh, let's see. The most important thing that'll ever happen in the history of the world. Oh, come on. Goodman's delivering that so much more, with so much more force. Pa yeah, oomph. Yeah. A lot of oomph behind that. Oppenheimer never felt like Groves' bitch. He did yeah. feel like Casey Affleck's bitch for a little bit there. They're too much of a team. Yeah, I just don't, I'm not scared of Matt Damon. <laughs> he's, not, I'm, uh, he's not intimidating. No, he's not a scary guy. No, he's not. Because, like, coming up, he never played the scary guy. He was the nerd, and he was the bitch of the Ocean's crew. Yeah, they just didn't. They just didn't believe in him, huh? And he's Ben Affleck's bitch, just in <laughs> life because he just took credit for all his work. Probably. God, we're being so mean to this guy. Holy shit! <laughs> just throwing the p word around with Matt Damon. What's that Family Guy joke when Matt Damon's writing Goodwill Hunting and Ben Affleck's like, "Yeah, just put my name on it," while he's on the couch eating Cheetos. <laughs> it's like all you've done is smoke pot and eat Cheetos these last three months. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, this question here from and the Team America well police didn't give him do him any favors. He was, only, he was like a Pokemon; all he could say is his name, Matt Damon, <laughs> over and over again. I think that's what probably did the Bourne movies try to change his perception. He's actually pretty good in those Bourne movies. That's actually yeah, convincing. Yeah. Uh, this question here from River underscore Steel: What would movies like Napoleon be better if they were limited series instead of a movie? Yeah, yeah, I think with any story that spans that much time, it really is hard to get into everything. I mean, Napoleon could probably be multiple seasons. Young Napoleon, or splice him in throughout. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely a miniseries, eight episodes, nine episodes. There's a lot of politicking to get to. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a Napoleon series, and I'm just going to spend one season in exile. Yeah. I'm just doing nothing. It'll be like the Fly episode, just stretched out for eight hours. People will think I'm a genius. Audiences will hate it, but the critics will love it. This is such a great exploration of man yeah, and isolation. This is the real Napoleon, yeah. This is who he was at his core. Not the people your history books made him out to be. Not the little crazy man who loved women that didn't shower. You think he was really barking at, at it like that? Probably. What a weird guy. Respect it, though. This question here from uh, Allison. Think about me. If you put me in a room with Vanessa Kirby, I'm barking, too. I'm glad that you uh, included that before I got to the next question, because now you're on record, and the people know. Uh, this question here from Allison. Do you think that they will start making rom-coms again? I think we've seen a bit of a resurgence. They're trying. Yeah, they're trying. Nothing really good. I didn't see the Sydney Sweeney one, but... That exists. <laughs> Put Nash in a room with Sydney Sweeney. He's going to turn into Curse the Cowardly Dog. Not even barking, just screaming bloody murder. Yeah, and they also had the um, No Hard Feelings with Jay Law. Yeah, yeah. There's a new one coming out. It's uh, like a hybrid from Richard Linklater. It's a crime movie, but it's also a rom-com with Glenn Powell. Yeah, Hitman. And, uh, yeah, Hitman. And um, the actress from... God, I can't even remember the show. What's the, the good Star Wars show? Ahsoka? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Andor. Andor, yeah. Adria Orjana, I think her name is. Arjana. Yeah, I've heard great things about that movie. It was supposed to come out this year, but I guess it couldn't find a distributor, and now it's coming out on Netflix next summer or in the spring. I think that uh, Hollywood just doesn't understand. Like A lot of those early 2000s rom-coms were made in earnest, and now we look back on them and think, that's such a fun aesthetic. And I think that's what a movie like Anyone But You is trying to do. It's supposed to be cheesy. It's not supposed to be high art. It, Who could be a rom-com guy? I think there are plenty of rom-com guys, like uh, Paul Mescal, I think would be perfect. They've been trying to push that. Io Edeberry and Paul Mescal, every interview they give, they talk about how they want to do a rom-com together. Yeah. I think that could be really cute. Even um, somebody like Tom Holland. Put Tom Holland in a rom-com. He doesn't always have to be in an action movie. Something yeah. light, something funny, something, like I said, done in earnest that, yeah, it's funny because of how bad it is. We need those movies again. I, I don't who's even the, know if anyone but you is, is that. Who's the rom-com goat? Well, that's the thing. I feel like we shifted where, like, back in the day, it could be, like, Owen Wilson. Right. Like, like he, well, McConaughey, right? McConaughey did McConaughey, a lot. Even Goslin at one point. Vince Vaughn. Right. Vince Vaughn, exactly. Yeah. I feel like Channing Tatum would be fucking great. He's done them, right? Oh, yeah, he's had to have done that. But, like, modern day, like, funny, good actor Channing Tatum. Right, right. Not just, like, old Channing Tatum. Yeah, we're, uh, the rom-com is just gone bye-bye. Mm. It's a shame, because it sells. I mean, anyone but you, but got made over 100 million, right? Okay, look at that. I think that's what's getting general people to the, maybe to theater. We were playing a game, me and my friends, uh, on New Year's. Um, it was a game where you put, like, clues in a hat and you you know one of like a guessing game and these are people who would be considered casual moviegoers but one of the celebrities out of the hat was sydney sweeney and the clue was anybody but you and everyone knew right away that was sydney sweeney so i don't know if that's a sydney sweeney thing or just a rom-com appeal thing but that wouldn't have been my clue but this question here whose question are we going to take oh we'll take a, an easy one uh from callow 
most underrated movie of the year? Everybody, uh, that's always a fun question because everybody's going to have a different opinion on that. Yeah, it depends where we're looking at it from. Like, we talked about the Best Picture nominees for me, like, where the fuck's Godzilla? Is that underrated? But I think most people who've seen that actually like that movie. So I'm trying to think of one that I liked that not many people did. I said it on the last episode, but uh, Jagar Thunder Double X on Netflix, streaming in the original Tamil language, so fucking good. Just didn't break out like RRR did last year, but truly- Underrated or just not seen? Well, it's underrated because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess people who have seen it do love it, but it's just going under the radar. Under the radar it is. But for other movies that people have seen that they're not really liking, uh, I would even say- Showing up, Kelly Reichardt's showing up. Asteroid City. That's actually mm-hmm. might be my answer. Asteroid City, because That's people talk answer. about that movie like they just they'll never be able to watch Wes Anderson again in their lives. I'm just looking through right now. I feel like no one talks about Creed anymore. Creed Three. I, yeah. I enjoy Creed Three. Jonathan Majors has a lot to do with that because that yeah, movie was good point. It's like they pulled it out of theaters early because of that. Yeah, and then did you see Reality? Yes. I enjoyed that one. I thought it was an, I thought it was like a cool little twist on how to make a movie. Yeah, it was different. You know, using the exact recordings word for word. Talk about historical inaccuracies. They're like, hey, you're not catching us on this one. No, 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 no. But I thought that was interesting. God, I hate that. And facts. I think speaking of Sydney Sweeney, like I think from what I haven't seen Euphoria, but like from the clips I saw, I feel like she's pretty good in that. But I think she was really good in this too. She's great in season one of White Lotus. That's really the first time I was exposed to her. But I don't think Madam Webs of the world are going to help too much. I saw um, a meme because the Madam Web uh, line on the poster says it all comes back to her. It's all connected to her. Yeah. And I saw one. It was like when I Google a law that is ruining society, (laughs) it was Ronald Reagan's face on the Madam Web poster. It's like (laughs) it all goes back to her. That's going to be an all-time stinker. That's going to be fun to see how bad it does with Aquaman and uh, the other superhero movies that have fallen. They got to do more ads like the Dakota Johnson one. Even that, as powerful as that ad was, it's not going to be enough. Yeah. I need... (laughs) Show me fucking (laughs) Spider-Man. Maybe. This is uh, the, the end of the superhero craze has been really funny. It's kind of sad. It's sad in the way that they're still making Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man. They like, do people want to see but, the Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man yet? Like, it is fun. It is funny in a way, but like, I'll be lying if I said I did. I don't miss going to see like a big Marvel movie on opening night. Like that shit was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, no, it was. And like, it just completely died down to the point where like I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen the Marvels yet. But there was, a, like, three years ago, I would have been there fucking Thursday on I'm, in IMAX. Or, like, even the shows. Like, I was, I would wake up every Tuesday or Thursday, Wednesday, one of those days, um, right in the morning and watch WandaVision, Loki, or Falcon Winter Soldier. I have a cup of coffee. I made a whole thing of it. I didn't even, you know, had, didn't finish Loki season two. Barely watched She-Hulk. And I'm not really interested in Echo, so... Well, that's another show where we're... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Agatha. <laughs> but, like, no one... Did anyone like Echo in uh, Hawkeye? I mean, she was, like, a cool, like, little side character, but nobody was like, oh, we need an Echo spinoff. 
Nobody except Kevin Feige. And why doesn't Haley Steinfeld get any attention from for being Josh Allen with Josh Allen? She's dating Josh Allen? Yeah, exactly. And I love Taylor, and I think anyone who shits their pants over Taylor Swift the, being at the Chiefs games is a huge baby, but omitting Haley Seinfeld like she's she wasn't in True Grit. Well, the NFL is so smart because they're like, we're going to exploit the hell out of this. Oh, hell yeah. They'll do Obviously. anything for attention, and uh, that's how sports should be ran. I think sometimes they go too far, but the other leagues, they're so conservative when it comes to that shit. You know, uh, it's just, yeah, shove it in everybody's faces because uh, the football fans are still going to watch. Nobody's going to tune out of the game because they keep showing Taylor Swift. I get such a, such a kick out of it now, though, because it'll be like a big play that has nothing to do with her. I'd be <laughs> like, this is just like uh, on, on the Errors tour when Taylor Swift did that thing. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. You could tell the announcers are getting fed into what to say from the <laughs> truck outside. It's like. We're getting like a spark notes on Taylor Swift before the game to see if they can make any connections. The only thing funnier than that is just Romo and Jim Nance. They've become such a funny duo. No, Romo's bad now. Yes, because he'll He's just rant really about anything bad. and then Nance will bring it back. <laughs> I saw this whole fake tweet. It's like Romo reminiscing on how he wanted to be a great dancer. And then Jim Nance is like, Josh Allen just did a little dance in the pocket there. <laughs> but Nance is good. Burkhardt and Olsen, I think, are the best. The no, Ol- yes, they're the best. Olsen's incredible. I didn't hate Romo at the beginning too, but he's gotten re- he's gotten like pretty bad recently. <laughs> he's out of control. Olsen's like a pitcher perfect color commentator. Good voice, right. good insight. He's funny, but doesn't overdo it. He's the best. And it sucks because once Brady's Fox deal kicks in, he's gotten he's gotten kicked out. Of well, the you know what? Maybe he'll, ch- he'll go somewhere else. They're gonna he'll get a contract. I think the the next morning after he's let go don't you think that's what's so stupid about these now no he's gonna stay with fox but like these networks they just go oh, for yeah, the I names guess, instead right. of the actual best people for the job yeah and yeah. it's like no one's watching the game if the cowboys are playing the eagles on fox i'm gonna watch that game regardless i'm not gonna watch that game because tom fucking brady's on the call that might actually be a deterrent because i fucking hate that guy yeah they just don't understand that when it comes to commentators they always try to push these former players former coaches that don't have the voice for it don't have the talent for it i think stan van gundy might be a good basketball mind but on a broadcast he's horrible you can't listen to him and that matters the same thing with basketball like i think if it's lakers celtics on abc like that game is going to be watched if it's jeff van gundy with mike breen or if it's Mark Jackson, like, I don't know. Well, we've been spoiled as Knicks fans. We've got two of the best. Great combination, Mike Breen and Walt Clyde Frazier. But yeah, it's just, you know what? There's no school for it. Nobody goes to school to be a color commentator. So you just need to find somebody who's naturally good at that type of thing. And uh, they just try their luck with all these former athletes and coaches. And some are good, some aren't. And it's just weird. Sometimes if the name is big enough, you'll stick around no matter how bad you are at the job. Yeah. Okay, let's take some more questions. Oh, how good did we one. get there? What were we talking about? We were talking about. I have no idea. Had to be something about a movie. <laughs> Had to be. I can't find the question. Oh, most underrated movie of the year. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that pipeline, Asteroid City, and then from Asteroids. Uh, yeah. No, I'll, we'll never be able to retrace that. Uh, this question here from Joel: Who wins an Oscar first? Chalamet, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Margot Robbie. Ooh. Well, what's 
It all depends on what their upcoming is, right? Who's got the best movie coming out next? Right. Or with who? Out of that group, I'm going to go Margot because Margot's got the most control of her career at the moment. She's in yeah, that sort of She's producing, right. she's doing everything. Uh the only unco- yeah, the only thing she has coming up is Margot Robbie's untitled Ocean's 11 film. So maybe not her. I mean, that might be good and all, but that's not going to be an Oscar-winning performance. Yeah, and the Ronin movies that came out this year were pretty shitty. Or not shitty, but they didn't really hit like some of her previous ones have. Like uh, Foe, which was also with Paul Mescal. I don't know what she's got coming up, but she would be my number two because she seems to find herself in good movies. And over the last few years, maybe not so much, the last great movie she's been in was The French Dispatch, and obviously she was in Little Women. But she's got a movie coming out with Steve McQueen that's to be announced. Uh, and next mm. year, she's got The Outrun, which... Um, yeah, I just saw it as 8.7. Only 27 reviews, but it's a good score. Maybe that's it. And uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a good crew, so it's going to be fun. Uh, my, I, I would bet on Robbie. I go Robbie, Ronan, Chalamet, and then Pew. I'm, Not because yeah. of, I think, one's more talented than the other, just based on the way that their careers have gone. Yeah. Remember Mary Queen of Scots? <laughs> yeah, uh, both of them in it. Yeah. God I damn. thought that was going to be a banger. It was fine. I watched that on a plane. Bad plane movie. Did you see Ava DuVernay's comments about Christopher Nolan? No. She was talking about how... She always brings up Nolan. It's weird because I feel like some people would criticize Nolan for not caring more about how a movie looks versus the story. Obviously, Nolan's movies look really great, but he's so story-oriented. That's like his whole thing. It's, his movies are so hard to understand, and they're original. But she was like, oh, you know, I'm somebody who... I'm less concerned... I'm paraphrasing here. Less concerned with how a movie looks than how a movie is told through the story. Where somebody can watch a movie like Selma on a plane and still get so much out of it, but they can't watch something like Interstellar on a plane because you need to see that in a big theater with the sound. And I'm like... Listen, I know everybody's an individual. You all have your own ways of producing art, but that mindset to me is, it made me almost like cower. Like I wanted to put my head in my shirt that people are out there making movies <laughs> thinking about if maybe somebody watches this on a plane one day. That to me is just, it's, it feels so commercialized. Is Selma a plane movie? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole, a whole different question here, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She had a movie this year that didn't really do anything, huh? Origin? Right. Well, it's starting to come out now, right? Because uh, I think it's in theaters locally for me. I guess we're both, in, we live in the same <laughs> yeah. areas. Yeah, yeah. The remote pods um, have me thinking we're on different sides of the earth. But that was supposed to come out. It, it is a 2023 movie. It premiered at uh, Venice. Yeah. But it's got a limited release just started like a few days ago. And I've heard it's good. It's got yeah, an 80% right. on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe one day we'll see it. That's why Hollywood's just not cooking anymore, man. Everything is just so predicated on how is this going to sell. And uh, God, look at Nolan, man. He doesn't do that shit. He's just out there cooking what he wants to cook. And now he's got the biggest blank check in Hollywood history, probably. Yeah, I think he can do anything at this point. I think Oppenheimer just shows he could he could have already done anything, but now he definitely can do anything. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he's about to do next, man. As much as I love his original stuff, uh, I really would love to see him do a James Bond movie. There were rumors that he would do one that takes place in the late 60s. That would be so fucking cool, man. The retro technology with Nolan's aesthetic. 
Oh, God. I know that shit. I, I know he would tap Hoyt Van Hotema to shoot that shit, and it's going to be looking clean. It was a good 60s Bond. What do you mean? Oh, like, right. <laughs> I thought you meant, like, <laughs> who was a good Bond in the 60s? I got so no, offended. Like, who can play, who now can play a, a 1960s set Bond? If you're going uh, for British actors, whew, that's tough. Well, the rumors, it would be Daniel Day-Lewis, old man Bond. Damn. But I, I can't, no British actor with that old Hollywood Sean Connery, Roger Moore look. Nobody's really coming to mind. I'm thinking John Hamm. <laughs> Bale? He doesn't really have that look. Bale's got, he's got the modern look. He's good looking. Yeah. He's suave. But, you know, that, the strong jaw, the dark hair, plain features. Pattinson Bond? Oh, God. <laughs> 1960s. 1960s Pattinson Bond. That would be like. <laughs> Nobody would tell you. He'd be getting bullied in all the casinos. Look at this tall fucking dweeb. <laughs> There's going to be somebody that pops into my head, like a British actor who fits that mold. Yeah. It's going to be killing Murphy. He'd be too easy to be like, oh, that's, he doesn't, yeah. He doesn't belong. That's your villain. <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah, you got to like hide in plain sight. I think he stands out in a crowd. This question here from Eric, Eric Beyer. What movies made you cry this year? Many movies made oh. me cry, but the, I think the, biggest would be the iron claw yeah that's the ultimate cry movie of the year that should be a, a oscar category god that was a fucking devastating movie i got close at the end of godzilla oh i cried at the end of godzilla <laughs> <laughs> i think most people would like if you don't cry at the end of the iron claw there's something broken with you this question here from Jane, please talk about past lives. And we also got another question from G. He says, thoughts on the backlash hitting past lives. Mm, that's another snub we didn't talk about, huh? Right. So it was nominated for Best Picture, but nothing else, right? Original yeah, so screenplay. You could, you could say Celine Song and Greta Lee both maybe got snubbed, right? God, that movie had so much momentum earlier in the year. It was nominated for Original screenplay and best picture it felt like they were both shoo-ins at one point but i do think that movie came out and it hit so well and then there was a i don't know if this played a part in the fact that the they weren't nominated i really liked past lives in terms of debuts it's it's one of the strongest debuts like i said that's a conversation that you kind of just sit and listen to and i don't know if that really played a role i think that it was just a good year and uh, it did get the Best Picture nomination, but, you know, it's tough. But yeah, I think some people just thought that the, the initial praise went too far, and that it's just not as good of a movie as people were saying it was. That's not for me to decide, but I do wonder if that played a role into it. Yeah, and it is a movie that's been... I mean, I'm surprised it really had so much momentum for so long. You see that happen a lot where you kind of lose steam or it just kind of fades away and ends up getting nothing, you know? For a movie that, when was it released wide? Uh, I'm not sure. Because I saw it in January, obviously, for Sundance, so that's different. But, I mean, coming out of that, I mean, there was a lot of high praise. So I feel like it's been talked about for a while. So it's one that I think maybe just the more, the longer you're you're being talked about or in, in the cycle and being discussed, I think that just leaves you open for to get dissected in a way that a lot of movies that uh, just come out two weeks ago don't really have time for yeah and critics writers they play a role in which movies are going to get nominated because the more a movie is talked about the more on the minds of academy of voters that movie is or it's just on it's going to be on the minds of academy of voters the more people talk about it the more people write about it 
And if it shifts to more negative reviews and uh, negative articles about the movie, that could hurt the momentum because I would say in the middle of the year, it was like, boy, I can't wait for people to see this because this is your best picture winner. This is your best picture favorite. Yeah. But movies lose momentum. They gain it. They lose it. That's the, the way of the game. But yeah, we talked about that movie on our TIFF podcast. So, or no, I, I could have swore we talked about it. No, we didn't. No, it wasn't in Toronto. Right. We talked about it on maybe best movies of the year oh, so far. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And then the best movies of the year. Yeah. This question here from Suddenly Seymour. It's so funny. So Suddenly Seymour has been following us for a while now. Whenever I see the username, I'm like, that's a lot of names in one name. And then I realized it was a play on Suddenly Seymour from Little Shop Hour. <laughs> the other day, it like hit me when I saw the question. I was like, oh, shit. God, I'm stupid. Suddenly Seymour's question is, what's the best movie or TV show from 2023 that nobody is talking about? I won't say Zone of Interest because nobody's seen it, but... I mean, yeah. I, I guess in terms of what it could have done box office-wise, it got its awards and nominations, but yeah, just strange. The rollout for that movie has been very strange. Yeah. I don't know. For TV shows, uh, I would say Pluto on Netflix. I'm just going to plug a show that I watched recently. That was really good. Anime. I've really watched too many shows this year. I feel like One Piece is really fucking up my watching something new. So I'll just put that on and it just never ends. Cam had such an issue with your take about One Piece's dub. He was like, <laughs> he's like, this man thinks because he watched a couple hundred episodes, he can speak on the dub. He likes the dub? It doesn't matter to me. I'm always taking a sub over a dub. It was Boy and the Heron's the perfect example of a sub that was, or a dub that was so meticulously crafted and still the sub is better. But apparently Oda, the creator of One Piece, oversees the dub, which I'm still going to take the sub 10 times out of 10. Cam's a fucking, yeah, because he, I was talking with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he, he, and br like, he didn't bring it up to you, huh? He brought it he didn't up. bring up. it up to me. No. He's just like, oh, how's One Piece going? We're just talking, we're just talking, talking shop. That's so funny, bro. Smiling in your face. He's got the knife behind you. Damn. We're having a good conversation too. Now it's, mm, I see how it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's all right. And I was going to throw you under the bus, but I didn't. So what about One Piece? Yeah, just like he just he was like saying it's like peak and everything, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't say this. I was gonna say it. I was like, yeah, only real anime heads know about One Piece, unlike some other people who claim they like anime. Oh, okay, that that's yeah. that's something that you guys would both do. But I didn't. I was just like, yeah, it's good. Well, I mean, you and Cam. That's why you guys have always gotten along because you're garbage people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, no, you got me there. <laughs> this question here from Omar. Which rumored project do you guys hope comes true? I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is Jesus. Looks, It's looking like Garfield now, but it's not a rumored project. It's definitely happening. I guess the rumor would be Daniel Day is Jesus, but... Is Leonardo DiCaprio's um, Teddy Armstrong movie ever going to come out? Wow. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, right? What did I say? Teddy Armstrong? Who's the fuck's Teddy Armstrong? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to fuck with him, though. Did I just combine... You combined uh, Neil or Lance? Are you sending Teddy to the moon? <laughs> or he's just riding a bike. Let's see. Talk about a rumored project. I want to see Teddy Armstrong about Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt and Neil Armstrong having to team up. Yeah, I just Google Teddy Armstrong. And be like, this. Is it like somebody that I would know? No, it's not a real thing. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt movie. Is that ever happening? Uh, I can't imagine that's happening ever. 
He's the one person you would check his like IMDb upcoming, and it would just be movies that never happened. That sounded like pretty good. Yeah, he has seven upcoming projects. Roosevelt again, but now just producer. Oh no, I'm in the producer category. Well, Let's I mean see. the David Lynch rumored movie that's been rumored for years. Yeah, it's not happening though. It could happen. Well, it's, yeah, Roosevelt pre-production's been pre-production for years. Uh, Jim Jones is going to play Jim Jones. Well, dude, the Paul Thomas Anderson, I know he's got a stat cast for this upcoming movie, but when it was rumored that he was going to do like a 1920s jazz epic with Denzel Washington set in Harlem, I was like, <laughs> everything about that just kept getting better. That breaks my heart that that's never happening. But this isn't real here. This one's The Wager, a tale of shipwreck, mutiny, and murder, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, directed by Martin Scorsese. That's not a thing, is it? I can't like, imagine that will ever be from? a thing. Oh, there was probably some bullshit report, but that's what they do. Your team leaks it so that it gets momentum. So the studio will go, okay, people are interested in this. Let's uh, move this production forward. It actually sounds pretty sweet. The British naval strip the wager is wrecked on a desolate island off the tip of South America in 1740. The captain and her crew struggle to survive and maintain order while battling extreme weather and their own human nature. So it's kind of like Lord of the Flies, I think. Tarantino's Star Trek. Man, I was so excited for that. Well, Gladiator 2 for a while. I didn't think that was real. So sometimes they do. Uh, Don't sleep on King Ridley. Come into fruition. I hope that's great because Paul Mascal, he's, he's teetering on superstardom. He's simmering. And if that's good, that does box office numbers. He becomes like uh, the anti-Chalamet. He's the Irish answer to our Chalamet. That's very powerful. The Irish accent's so powerful. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we need an Irish Chalamet. Sometimes you don't always get what you need. If the, if the universe wills it, you just got to sit back and Did you enjoy the ride. No, I didn't. Hmm. Paul Mascal would have been such a better Wonka. No, Tyler just, Taylor just Mondo. Yeah, or Jeremy Allen White. Yeah. Jeremy Allen White looks like a 1910s silent movie star. He looks like Gene Wilder. And he looks like Gene Wilder. But he, yeah, he's he got like a Buster Keaton look to him. I know Chalamet's a good actor, but if he makes another stinker, I can't wait for the Chalamet actually sucks takes. <laughs> Dude, when that Girl, trailer we... came out, I was like, I love Chalamet, talented guy. Doesn't have the whimsy. Doesn't. Garwig Merchant. Yeah, Mickey Mouse run. That's what Dune is. That's his, uh, he's going to be exposed. Well, I think people who don't like him in Dune. I know that's, a take. that's a bad take. He's perfect for Dune. This question here from Homero. Why did you guys not watch The Creator? Well, I actually did watch The Creator. I did not like it. It looked great. That was a selling point that it was made for under $100 million. And it was a small crew traveling the world. All these real sets, real locations. The story was as basic as you get. And it's so funny. I just talked about the Netflix anime Pluto. That also deals with geopolitics and artificial intelligence. And it deals with it in such a more interesting and fascinating way. And the creator is, compared to a show like Pluto, it's completely night and day. It's paper thin. It looked great. The acting, the writing, everything about it, besides the, the visuals, was so par. And that's kind of how Edwards rolls. Did you ever catch the creator? No. That's what I wanted to see, but I just never got to it. Yeah. It looked interesting. I mean, it was pretty... I wanted it to succeed just because of, like... An original sci-fi piece, you know? You see this bozo Chuck Schumer trying to take away our Zins? Nicotine pouches? 
I don't know why these politicians just try to ruin everything. If anything, Zin's a good thing. It makes people smoke less. He's probably being paid off by the anti-Zin lobby. Big tobacco. Big tobacco, yeah. They want us back on the on the sticks. Back on the heaters. Hey, you need some death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. Uh, this question here from... I'm trying to think which one, I, which, which one should I take. I'll take this one from Chlo. Is Maestro Bradley overhated? He seemed genuinely interested in Lenny and in interviews and such. No, I think the interest was definitely genuine. And when you hear him talk about it, obviously he's a hero to Bradley Cooper, as he is to many people. That's why, I'll, you know, my sister, her husband, they're both musicians. They worship Leonard Bernstein, West Side Story. They've seen it a million times. They were very excited for that movie, and they were left a little underwhelmed. So I think you could be very passionate for a project. It doesn't mean it's always going to translate into something that most people love. So is it being overhated? I mean, people always go too far, but that's the thing with my show. It's just being put, in my opinion, in conversations where it doesn't belong. So if you start yeah. talking about role players like they're superstars, you're going to get a lot of pushback that the role player doesn't deserve. Well, that's the thing, right? When it's, I think we both saw it. I think we both have it around the same score. Like, fine, whatever, decent movie. But when you, yeah, when you put it, when you say it's one of the top 10 movies of the year, that's when you're going to start fighting back. And a lot of that is criticism or a lot of it has to do with negative things about the movie that it doesn't belong there. So it looks like you're just shitting on it. When in reality, if no one ever even put it up there, you wouldn't be having those discussions or you wouldn't be hearing so much about how much people don't like the movie. And that's, that's a thing we talk about with, I think a lot of people, especially on the internet are so, I don't know really what the word is, but it's like saying this movie, like a movie sucks and it's not good and it's trash. It's the worst movie of the year. Well, it's like, you just didn't see enough movies or it's more your hatred is coming from something else more than just the movie itself. Right. You get that a lot with, I think comic book movies, but uh, sometimes it's some of these movies where like, I think some people, cause it's boring, you know, it's the same thing with the hot take artists on sports radio and TV. It's not LeBron isn't the best player. LeBron's overrated. And actually he isn't top 10, you know, it's just saying shit just to say it. Motherfuckers be saying shit just to say it. This question here from Overnight Doorman: What movie thought would, uh, what movie did you think would be in your top, but didn't get there? I think Killers of the Flower Moon it ended up being like top fifteen, but going into it, I probably thought it would be at least top five, if not fighting for that top spot. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think for me, a movie that I really liked, Barbie, had a lot of fun with it. Rewatched it on HBO Max, still holds up. I thought that was going to be one of my all-time favorite movies ever, not only just of the year, because everything about it, the trailer, yeah. the approach had me so excited. And even though I still really enjoyed it, it just wasn't one of my all-time, all-time favorites, which is fine. doesn't have to be. But I was so utterly excited. I thought I was going to like that more than Oppenheimer, and then Oppenheimer ended up being my number two. The Killer? I think there was an expectation, new Fincher movie to be yeah. top 20 at least. I don't. It's not even close to that. For me, even Napoleon, there's always that right. hope that you have a Ridley Scott banger on your hands. None of them disappointed to the point where like I didn't like the movie, but I think expect expectation were to be one of the better movies movies of the year, and they just weren't. Okay, we'll take a couple more questions before we wrap this up. 
Uh, this question here from Gorilla. Other than Dune, what movie are you guys looking forward to most in 2024? We always get these questions. It's like, uh, besides the movie that we know you guys are going to be anticipating the most, which is fair. A lot of yeah. people are anticipating Dune. It's like, I don't even know what's coming out next year, to be honest. Yeah, you've got movies like... Um... And when you look it up, it's just like Argyle, Madam Web. I, I know that. Like, tell me about the fucking sick movie that's going to come out in December that I haven't heard of yet. That's going to be the best movie of the year. That's the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I guess the new Deadpool's coming out this year. Kung Fu okay, Panda. Civil War. I like Alex Garland, so I'm looking forward to that. We got some Luca. The Challengers is coming out. I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Furiosa. That talk about a trailer. Oh, oh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I want to see if yeah we can live up to that shit. If it's on par with those last two, especially that's going to be a fucking banger. Uh, isn't Paddington going to Peru this year? I hope so. Quiet Place, the prequel, the Garfield movie. <laughs> What's the bike rider? M Knight's got one. M Knight, man, to knock at the cabin. Really love knock at the cabin. I'm excited for his next one. Oh yeah, that I saw a trailer for that. It looked like it sucked. Well, that's you know, M Knight. You can't judge the movie until you've no, seen it that. seven times. The bike riders. Oh, Austin Butler, Jodie Comer, Joker two, Folly Adu. Oh, yeah, I'm interested for. Uh, I want to see Lady Gaga. Oh, Paddington in Peru is next year. Let's fucking go. Damn crazy. You already got number one, Craven the Hunter. Oh, yeah. Beetlejuice 2. Uh, I'm not sure what to think about that. Lord of the Rings, the anime movie. Is that coming out? Oh, they're doing a Karate Kid that takes place in the Karate Kid universe yeah. with Jackie. Okay, we got Gladiator 2. Oh, I forgot. You never... Oh, is it, um... You don't like Cobra Kai. No, I don't. What's, um... The movie, the Mickey? Mickey 7, yeah. Mickey 17, yeah. No, it's just 7 now. He's only 7 Mickeys. Oh, no, no, he's back to 17. Mickey 7's the book. Oh, yeah. They added By Edward Mickey. Ashton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Nosferatu, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got some movies. Uh, with Nash's favorite actress, Lily Rose Depp. Is that his favorite? <laughs> he's just obsessed with her for some reason she hot i mean she's objectively a good-looking actress well, yeah i don't care i mean that's just that's the only reason why i would think nash would be obsessed with somebody right but that's what i'm saying like okay yeah i mean meg the stallion to me that's somebody that you start all, all fours are you interested in mufasa uh okay let's look for some more questions here you're not interested in mufasa we've got some good ones it's Barry Jenkins, good director, man. <laughs> There's no Mufasa's got to be a fucking all-time great, man, because it's not even like a Barry Jenkins thing. He's an incredible director, and yeah, you want to get that bag, but you know who else got that bag throughout a career? David Lynch. David Lynch never had a huge box office success, but he still Was worth he tens of millions. Ah, let's see. Let's go. Give me a David Lynch net worth. What do you think he's made the most money off of? Twin Peaks, probably, right? Yeah. 70 million. Yeah, that's a bag. That's surprising. And he never had to compromise with what he wanted to make. And I'm not saying Jenkins is doing that, but after Moonlight and then if Beale Street could talk, two movies that people would consider near perfect, and then your next one's Mufasa. Once again, I'm holding out to see if it's good, but. 8 million. But he's young, you know? He's still young. Yeah, right. But that's the other thing. You're already a millionaire. <laughs> How did David Lynch make seventy million dollars? 
DVD sales, owning your production company, maybe? His movies made $36 million total, aggregate. That boy hustling. You think he's laundering money for somebody? <laughs> I think so. Good investments, maybe? Well, that's the thing. He's also, he's done work in other fields. He's, you know, I'm sure the straight story wasn't a bad payday. And that's the thing. Like, David Lynch doing a straight story very much up his alley. What has he been cooking? <laughs> Besides the books. Music? Paintings? Yeah, no, it would be funny if he just had, like, a side gig that funded his <laughs> funded making him be able to be a director. <laughs> yeah, maybe that network TV money in early 90s, they were probably giving out blank checks. Yeah, it's also, uh, it's an estimate. But, you know, once again, he's, he's a millionaire. I'm sure he's doing well. The Eraserhead crit Criterions. Well, I know I contributed to that. Me too. <laughs> 20 bucks profit for him right in his pocket. All right. All right. We'll take two more questions here. This question here from Jaeger. Do the Oscars need more awards nominees to properly honor everyone? I think the big one's stunt, right? That's one of the... Yeah. Not last remaining missing omissions, but one of the more prominent ones, I think, especially in recent years. Yeah, that seems to always be the big one in terms of really what's missing. What's the obvious category that's missing from the bunch? You know what I have a problem with? EGOT. <laughs> I don't think Elton John, great. I, mean, I love I love Elton John. He doesn't deserve to be an EGOT. Because, it's a hot take. I mean, I want it to be a true EGOT. Like, he won an Oscar for something other than having a song in a movie. Right. You're thinking, you know, the, the EGOTs, the true EGOTs, they're, they're all like, not made equally. You, yeah. Like, you won Best Actor because you were sick in this movie. Or you write something or direct something. Like Barbara Streisand, that's an EGOT. But he won an Emmy for a TV concert, just doing what he's been doing. Like, no, you, you star in House of the Dragon and win an Emmy. Go in succession, guest actor. That's how you get your Emmy. Yeah, like uh, Barbara Streisand's got the best original song Oscar, but she also won for best actress. Right, something like that. Yeah. Great singer, you know, music career. I'm not sure what her Emmy was for. Because, like, Billie Eilish can win an EGOT. No, I like Billie Eilish, too. I mean, technically, they are EGOTs. I know, but, like, I want you to go on Broadway, act your ass off in, like, a Hamilton or something. Damn, she's got a shit ton of Emmys. Then st you star in a Nolan, Best Supporting Actor. Bro, the lesson Pop here is that not everybody Young can Shelton. be Barbara Streisand, so. Yeah. Get an Emmy on Young Shelton as a guest appearance, and then just win, win a Grammy. Yeah, Lil Wayne's... So. He's running out of time to get his Emmy, Oscar, and Tony. Well, like Eminem could do it, probably, right? Doesn't he have an Oscar? He does, yeah. He's got an Oscar, and uh, uh, he's got Grammys, obviously. Well, he, it's, he acted in a movie, so maybe. I don't know. Well, he did win for Best Original Song. He didn't even show up to the award show. That's not nice. That's very rude of him. I don't like when people don't show up. Like, where the fuck was Jeremy Strong? You know what? Eminem just doesn't give a fuck. It was so funny when Succession won the Emmys. Brian Cox literally like kissed Kieran Culkin on the mouth when he won. Sarah Snuck wins. You know, give a nice little applause. <laughs> and Jeremy Strong just wasn't there. He's just the perfect fucking. Oh, that is perfect. Encapsulation of the show. So uh, Kieran Culkin won Best Actor, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's going to be fun because for years his Best Actor award is just going to be known as something he stole from Bob Odenkirk. That show really like no joking joking aside like it just got fucking hosed for years, huh? Yeah, it's uh, it is the wire of this generation. Just wasn't well. Popular even um, enough. was it Kim? Right? Yeah, that's a character. 
I, I even think she was supporting this year and got hosed. <laughs> and apparently, from what I hear, like she's the best part of the show. Yeah, I mean Bob like, Odenkirk really too. Good. I mean the fact that he never won a best actor is like I said, it's almost better than never winning is better than winning once. Yeah, I think the Emmys are in a weird place, or even TV in general. I think the most popular show that was when it was probably The Bear this year. But just because of the category they're in, like that's not the, the main the main event. And obviously Succession, but without Succession, it seems like an even better call Saul. Like what's going to be the drama that carries the next few years? And I feel like limited series have taken a dip. Besides Beef, like there really wasn't anything there. You haven't started Ted yet on Peacock, right? <laughs> no. But I feel like, is it me or is it like, I don't know if what I'm seeing is real. From Ted? No, those no like online. Yeah, no, those are... on Twitter. No, no, on like Twitter. Like, I feel like there's a, a campaign, orchestrated campaign to tell everyone that it's the best show ever. I've just seen so much Ted recently. I think people are like, getting a kick out of the show. fact that Ted's back and he's just being Ted again. <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe it is good. I, I mean, I enjoy Seth MacFarlane. We've always talked about Family Guy and even like the first Ted, but I just wasn't expecting it. No, and that's something that uh, you guys should be on the lookout. We're gonna actually going to do the Ted Revisited with Teddy. so <laughs> Or just Ted Reviews. <laughs> All right. Mark Wahlberg, I'll tell you what, he is really good in those. <laughs> that and the other guys are his two best movies. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Or the best he's been in any movie. All right, good last question here from T. Steph. Uh, looking back, can we view this year as a positive for the state of cinema as a whole? I think it's a very strong year for movies. But for people like us and for people who are listening, I don't know if the general public, I don't know what their opinions are. Right, well, the Barbieheimer phenomenon was the big story. the year. Right, yeah. and that's not something that's going to happen every year. So in terms of the state of cinema, the, the problem with cinema is behind closed doors. It's the people that are working behind the scenes. It's the money men. So until that changes, and it looks like it's not, it looks like they're going to try to milk this thing out until there's nothing left. There's no more milk. Right. Because just the, the models, the approach, the way that filmmaking has changed, and I've complained about it, and many people have complained about it, and this is obviously not me who came up with this thought, but... When people said film used to be the great dance between art and commerce, and now commerce has become so much more dominant, where it's no longer a dance, one side's being exploited, the art's being exploited in favor of commerce. Until that changes, you're going to see declining uh, attendance at movie theaters, you're going to see declining box office, because the industry is visionless at this point. Until somebody says, you know, we need to just change the whole way or we need to even go back to what the model was when do we ever go back as a society to something that worked yeah i mean i was thinking about this like eventually just movies just become what the theater is like entertainment involves and changes and then it's just a relic of the past well dude i mean artificial intelligence it's not there yet and it won't be there for years but Eventually, we're going to live in a world where people just put on their headphones and they tell the machine what type of movie they want to see based on how they're feeling, based on who are their favorite actors. And that's the type of world we're going to be living in. Right. And then the Oscars are just going to be the best movie that someone's able to conjure up in their mind. <laughs> right. So, yeah, best picture winner, Aaron's fantasy movie with, uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I want to see. That's why the movies are great. They tell me what I want to see. 
I don't. I didn't want to see Oppenheimer. Where I would have never conjured that up in my mind. Yeah, then it also makes me think like uh, vinyls have come back in such a big way. I mean, it'll always be there, but like not the way you know theater is or the way music changed genre and how we consume it. I think what's scary for movies is that independent music these days, you can buy a laptop, buy a mic and make an album in your kitchen. If you have the skill, maybe you're not going to get the same exposure as you used to back in the day when you were signed to a label and they would have their marketing campaigns, millions and millions of dollars to make you an international star. But even though mainstream music has gotten worse, the independent scene is thriving. Maybe they're still struggling financially. They're struggling to maintain their careers. But it feels like, you know, there's so many independent bands and independent artists that people love these days. But with movies, because you need so much money to produce even something like Get Out. Well, you think it'll ever be easier? Like we've seen movies and with, uh, I mean, with cameras and AI and what you can do with After Effects, like eventually that technology will be at a point where you probably could make a decent looking production by yourself. Right. But I think that will be just uh, an avenue for people to do it for them personally, not for the public. Where if, you know, if an artist can just use AI to mimic all of these other things, then why not just let Teddy think of his own thing? Right. And then at that point, if so much is being replaced through technology. Mr. Beast, you know? What do you mean? I don't know. I feel like he's going to do something. He'll make a movie. He's a troublemaker, that guy. <laughs> I really don't know too much about him, but I just like saying Mr. Beast. <laughs> it's just funny. Like every time I every time I see something on Twitter, it's like, oh, Mr. Beast. Like I'm not trying to be the cranky old man, but it is kind of just so indicative of today's world that he's the biggest celebrity, and just nobody knows what he does. Nobody knows his personality. They just he just gives things away. <laughs> Dude, I'm waiting. He's just like Oprah without the sauce. Yeah. I'm just waiting to run into him in the Target one day. Change my life, Mr. Beast. <laughs> no, somebody said that's the only way our generation's ever going to be able to afford a house. We're going to have to do some Mr. Beast. What if you just contest? never heard from me again? And then like in three months, there's a YouTube video. It's like, last person to leave this circle wins $100 million and it's me. I would, and it makes sense. I would not. It's like, oh, yeah, that's why we haven't, we haven't seen him. He won this Mr. Beast giveaway. Teddy is dying to be on one of those challenges, dude. He's, he loves Mr. Beast because he thinks he's going to give him a house one day. <laughs> oh, man. I actually did. I had some extra cash. And whenever... So, um... <laughs> bought a lottery ticket, so... Who knows? By this time, tomorrow. Oh, shit. I always thought that one day. It's like I never played the lottery or bought lottery tickets, but I thought like one day I am going to buy a lottery ticket and I'm going to win. So maybe, maybe, maybe this is that happening. I know somebody who's really good at winning small lotteries. He's always winning like 2,500. It's crazy. Like scratch offs? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Motherfucker got the Midas touch. Yeah. I really don't know how to play. I, I let them, I let them pick the numbers for me. So what the hell was that? What? He's got airdrop something. I fucking hate that gives me so much anxiety. If you just get a random airdrop, it's happened to me like four times. And I've I just it's happened to me in a movie theater, happened to me at the gym and something else. You know how I used to get your friends back in the day, you would just text them like a like a porn audio. Right. And then they would open it up and everyone would be like, oh God. Yeah, it's a classic bit. Classic bit back in the day. I hate that so much. 
All right, guys, that does it for this episode of Nerd Soup. Thank you so much for listening while we answered some of these questions. We got some good questions. Uh, sorry for those that we did not answer, but we will be back. So save your questions. Make sure they're good. So if, if Nash is on the episode, he won't be pissed off. Uh, Aaron, any last any last thoughts? Anything you want to say to the people at home? No, happy, happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy yeah. birthday to Nerd Soup. When is our birthday? Do we have a birthday? I think it's March 15th. Oh, hell yeah. That's when Dune comes out, right? No, March 1st. Close enough. He knew that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out D. Shout out DV. All right, see you guys. Can you rent... What? Can you rent out the movie theater for my birthday this year? Uh, You know what? I'll, I'll get in touch with... Uh... We can all watch Dune. I always want it. No one ever gets it for me. Nah, it's all right. Call Mr. Beast. <laughs> Put it on the Beast card. Yeah, we'll do that instead. All right, guys, see yeah. ya. All right, later. <laughs> wow, that was probably our best review yet. Hey guys, Aaron the Nerd Soup Monkey here with a brief shameless plug before we end the video. Do you ever feel like you don't have an adequate amount of nerd soup in your life? Like you're going to bed hungry and yearning for the nonsensical yet entertaining nutrients our podcasts provide? Well, we've come up with the perfect solution. The Nerd Soup Fan Question Podcast, exclusively available to our Patreon supporters. You can sign up now by visiting patreon.com slash nerdsoup, and for the price of only $1 per month, you'll receive exclusive access to our weekly podcast, where we answer your questions that don't make it to the main show. And while you're there, you can check out the other rewards we offer to our patrons, like stickers, mugs, t-shirts, behind-the-scenes footage, and appearing in the credits at the end of our videos. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now. Roll the names of the nerds who make Nerd Soup possible. The reason why the crypto crash didn't send our lives spiraling down a black hole of no return. Alright, I'll stop talking so you can listen to this jazzy-ass music while checking if Bo spelt your name wrong in the credits.